Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. I think I see blue. He looks glorious. Conversations about collaboration, episode 46. John Jantz joins me, say that three times in a row. He is a prominent marketing consultant, speaker, and the author of a bunch of books. Most recently, The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously consistent growth. We talk about collaborative nature of marketing, Monday, customer journeys, automation, and referrals. Let's get it on. John, where does this pod find you? Well, I am uh, in uh, the mountains uh, at about 8,600 feet west of Boulder, Colorado. So thus the sort of uh, cabin-y looking approach behind me. That is a good word for it. It is very cabin-y. Yeah. and, And it's not virtual. See, look. (laughs) <laughs> Not virtual, but you know, I, I, it's interesting. Maybe eighteen months or so into the pandemic, give or take. Uh, at first, the virtual backgrounds were really hip, and now it seems yeah. like they're passe. And why wouldn't you let people into your little world? Right. Of course, I you know I did see a few unmade beds and things like that that probably <laughs> probably could have cleaned up the the background a little. <laughs> My favorite was a guy a call with a guy from Zoom who had a, clearly a virtual background. I said, "Are you ashamed of what to show me?" And he took it off, and it was kind of a disaster zone. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. Um, oh well, I want to get into the new book, but more fundamentally, um, you've been doing this for a while, and the way that we collaborate is so much different now. Can you talk a little bit about maybe when you first started with, with duct tape marketing, how you collaborated with people versus how you collaborate now? Well, I mean, probably the, the biggest enabler, I mean, I know, I know part of it's a point of view about how collaboration and delegation and whatnot is done, but I mean, quite frankly, the tools set in the last 10 years have just, you know, skyrocketed our, uh, ability to uh, to collaborate or to or, or to you know do uh, to work across you know countries and and uh, uh, states obviously of course so you know initially I would say we you know collaboration came when people got together in a room and and met and marked up a document <laughs> um, that's you know that's how long I've been doing this I mean that was all that was really available um, or maybe you'd fax documents back and forth to each other or something. So kind of the, 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 the ancient times of collaboration. Uh, today, of course, um, you know, collaboration uh, can not only happen across uh, countries, but I mean, it can happen, uh, you know, not a, you know, not synchronously. <laughs> I mean, it uh, could be something that, uh, you know, obviously all the, you know, Google Docs and those types of tools are a great example where you can create something, uh, put it out there and, you know, get rounds and rounds of, of revisions or, or comments on it, uh, check in the next morning and, you know, you've, you've collaborated with uh, your team on, you know, creating something. So um, I, I think that today, the the challenge probably is more about a point of view about how it's done as opposed to what tools enable it. I mean, you, you the tools are there, uh, just pick one. Uh, but I think that probably in some ways more key is, you know, what's your point of view about how collaboration is done? What's your process for how collaboration is done um, is, is probably the, the harder thing to define or to, or to at least systemize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I listen to you, I think about a person who runs a company that's big enough that requires 
something beyond email to collaborate, but not so big yeah. that rolling out Slack or Monday or something like that would take a ton of time. And it's because you have this position in a fairly small company, which all of it matters. You do have that kind of view. Um, in the new book, you write about marketing hourglass and the importance yeah. of getting other people to understand the customer's journey. Um, talk to me a little bit about the challenge that people can have, because to, I frequently uh, become, quite frankly, frustrated because I know there's a better way. But from yeah. someone's very provincial perspective, their way is fine, but they don't see what comes before it and what comes after it. Yeah. So am I alone in feeling frustrated with this? No, 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 not not at all. I mean, that's probably the genesis of, of this tool I call the, the marketing hourglass, which is something I've been working with probably for 15 years. Um, and it is a, essentially it's a business strategy framework, but we apply it to the customer journey uh, because what, what we want to use it as first and foremost is a way to understand how uh, a buyer's journey changes along the stages and what we have to do to sort of intentionally guide, not force, <laughs> but guide them on that journey. But it, it also turns out, and, and by the way, the stages are no like, trust, try, buy, repeat, and refer. So it is not just a marketing, how do we get the order tool? It's literally after somebody becomes a customer, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to turn every customer into an evangelist and a referral source? So, so it is very, uh, it's very holistic in, in its application, but it turns out it is also a great tool for internal dialogue, for internal collaboration, because no, like, and trust, essentially, that's where marketing lives. I mean, that's their, their job. Uh, try and buy for us. That's typically, that's where sales is going to be participating. And then uh, repeat and refer is quite often going to be uh, in, in the court of, of service or customer success, whatever you call that department. And yet, part of your frustration probably that you mentioned stems from the fact that quite often those people are off doing those departments, if you will, are off doing their thing um, by themselves. Yeah. Maybe they're measured in a certain way, overall success and whatnot, but the handoffs, particularly between those stages or between when the, you know, say for example, when somebody becomes a customer, that's often kind of the shakiest part of most organizations because salesperson jobs over. Hey, I got the order. And, and in many cases, it's like, well, I don't know what happens after the order. No idea. So we've used this tool uh, quite often as a way to actually get those folks in the same room, if nothing else, and, and talking the same language with a common uh, tool, the marketing hourglass, that at least allows them to say, well, here's what I do, uh, but then also allows them to say, well, what would be a better experience? What could we add to that? You know, How can we use content in each of the stages of the journey because their questions and objectives change? So it really is a framework, as I describe it, that has many, many applications. Yeah, it does seem like people tend to get stuck in their roles. And even though there's a better way, it's not their job or they're comfortable with it. And again, I frequently get a little uppity with folks because I understand your organization doesn't use a particular tool. If something lock, is locked down, then so be it, right? I mean, I've had instances in which I said, can we just chat over Zoom? And they said, no, our IT department locked it down. So unless you're, you've got an xyz.com email address, then I can't use it. But you know what? It still drives me crazy that we're stuck in many instances, particularly at larger, more mature, successful companies, um, in the 1990s, or early 2000s. Yeah. Um, some of that I understand. It's just my having to get over it, right? And occasionally right. bite my tongue. But I agree with you. If I think to myself, if it's hard for me to provide a service 
then what does that say for customers, right? And isn't it more important to think just beyond your particular department or job function? Well, and I think that, um, you you know, obviously marketing has changed dramatically, but the thing that's changed the most really is how people become customers or choose to become customers. And so a lot of that is out of our control now. And what we have to think in terms of doing is is really guiding journey, uh, you know, being there in the way that they want to consume and, and, you know, interact with our company. And so, you know, what you talked about is is friction that, that commonly exists inside of organizations because they aren't a customer-centric organization. A lot of the rules were put in place because the IT person or the attorney said that's, you know, that's what we're going to do. No consideration about the company. And anything that causes friction internally for an employee, um, particularly an employee that has some customer-facing role, is going to show up in friction uh, for the the customer as well, or is at least going to show up in the point of view or the culture (laughs) from the organization about how to serve the customer. So I, I think any customer that talks, or I'm sorry, any company that talks about being customer centric, it actually starts internally um, to, to, you know, to, because if your employees aren't customer centric, you know, it's all just going to be talk. Sure. And I could definitely see some employees leaving, particularly in the sales department, because part of their pay, maybe a large part hinges upon commission. And if you're making it harder for me to do my job, particularly when you think about the great resignation, the increase in remote jobs, I mean, is this a potential uh, critical point for companies to become more collaborative uh, with regard to sales and marketing? I, I think it absolutely is. I think we're at a, at a really a great opportunity, but also a critical juncture for a lot of organizations. Because one of the things that, uh, um, you know, a really tough time where people were forced to actually change their behavior, all of a sudden, it actually, in many cases, <clears throat> opened them up to what was better, what was more possible, how they wanted to be served. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these uh, ways for them to actually go and do like an interactive view of this new bike that they're going to buy rather than driving across town um, and going into a store. I mean, uh, that was something that probably would have been seen as kind of weird at one point is now seen as, I think is now going to be seen as an innovation that really changes how you know retail is done. And so uh, I think that, uh, that now is a time to explore innovation but now is a time that I think we have to we have to be very empathetic and authentic and transparent, which are all buzzwords that we've talked about for a long time as marketers. But I think now that the buyer, the consumer is actually going to demand them from the companies they do business with. Hmm. I want to shift gears for a minute because in the new book you write about when you refer someone, you want to be, I think your number was 100% confident that person will get the job done. I'm reading that thinking to myself, would anyone ever be 100% confident on me? Because when it comes to someone who's using some of these collaborative tools, and I'm happy to learn new ones, I'm a peach. But if you refer me to an organization that's stuck in the 1990s, I'm going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I guess, you know, when you're referring someone, if I understand you correctly, you're not just thinking about the person whom you're referring, you're thinking about, if I'm getting this right, they're, they're ref- referring the referee. I get that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Because it's it's contextual, right? I mean, the, the marketing, the the sales, the collaboration doesn't occur in a vacuum. And I might That's be right. the perfect person for company X, but uh, you know, stay away from me, company Y. 
Well, and, and some of that comes down to, uh, you know, I talk about the, the idea of training uh, referral sources, educating them, uh, teaching people how to be ideal customers. I mean, I think that, that, you know, if I were to come to you and say, Phil, well, how would I spot your ideal customer? You know, you'd probably be able to describe in, in pretty graphic detail, you know, who you like to work with. Yes. Um, but, and, and if, if I knew that, if you were actually, and, and, and part of that is not, it's not just you and I sitting across the desk talking about how to refer a business to you. If your, your content strategy should actually be very rooted in teaching people what they should be, the companies they should be, uh, because that's going to allow you to attract more easily uh, the company you want to work with. Um, I, I'll give you an example. One of, one of our best one of the things we've discovered is, you know, we work with a lot of small to mid-sized businesses, and we've discovered that businesses that participate in their industry groups, participate in community groups, you know, are very involved in their community, make ideal clients for us. Because, uh, I mean, obviously they have to have a lot of other things, uh, but but that's like the ideal uh, attribute that we found or ideal behavior because it signals that they invest in their uh, in in services that they buy to for us it it signals that they are in it for the long term uh, because they believe that you know raising up their industry is important as well as you know growing their business and so we actually then teach that as an aspect of business building that you should be involved in your community that you should be involved in your industry um, and that helps us attract or at least make a case for attracting that business that already does that and and is already a perfect fit for us mm-hmm. So you're moving on beyond just having a cool website and drip campaigns, but sort of fusing. I was just reading the other day about Mark Zuckerberg's ideal for a um, metaverse. Yeah. So your real world meets the virtual world. It sounds like that's somewhat similar, right? I mean, I could have the best website in the world, but if I don't get out and meet people at conferences, hopefully they're coming back pretty soon. I'm really limiting myself. Yeah, it's it's all integrated. I mean, and and one of the things that I've had the advantage of doing working for so many years with small and mid-sized businesses is that in those businesses, marketing in some ways is everything. I mean, any way, shape, and form in which your business comes into contact with a prospect or a customer, you're performing a marketing function. Well, for small businesses, especially small local businesses, that's a lot of things. And so consequently, we get into areas that you know you might not necessarily call marketing. Uh, we get into you know helping them hire folks we get certainly into uh, developing processes of around you know how to actually follow up and orient new customers because you know if 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 they're leaking customers out the back door <laughs> for everyone that we bring in help them bring in the front door uh, then we're not we aren't going to be very successful in their eyes no matter what um, and so we take a very holistic approach to what is actually marketing it probably our our initial work probably certainly verges more on on you know what you might call a strategic consultant's uh, job than it is a, a marketing consultant's job. As you're speaking, I'm remembering Dan Pink's book. I think I'm getting the title right, To Sell is Human. And I yes, remember reading right. that book thinking to myself, I guess I am in sales, even though I've never really thought of myself that way. Yeah. Uh, you would make the same case with marketing. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 in fact, I you know I I have a, uh, a at least a section, a small section, um, in uh, the Ultimate Marketing Engine where I talk about the idea that marketing is everyone's job, um, and how to actually you know make education. You know, you're in your your strategic marketing education needs to be something that you do internally. Um, uh, you know, 
the best content, uh, the best messaging, <laughs> the best uh, sales approach, generally speaking, uh, is is you know housed somewhere inside your organization and not necessarily in the marketing department. Hmm. Would you say that collaboration is everyone's job <laughs> as well? Well, I think I think it definitely is to the degree that it creates a better experience for people to go to work there. To the degree that it makes a better experience for the people who choose to become customers. I think that's the ultimate. When it, when it comes to marketing, I think that's the ultimate promise of collaboration is that it can create a better experience for the customer. It can create a better experience and culture uh, for people that come together in the organization if it's viewed that way. I think sometimes when collaboration and tools are viewed as a way to be more efficient for the company only, uh, sometimes I think that can actually uh, turn technology as a limiting or, or a cause of friction, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you're a fan of automation and in particular Monday. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how it can make you more collaborative to the extent that it's actually less work for me to do, right? So when I think about getting fewer emails or having uh, yeah. a Zapier zap trigger something, um, I would argue that it frees me to do more of the good stuff, right? No, nope. yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, I, again, what I'm saying is only when people use technology as a way to n- say not have to talk to customers, for example. But there's a lot of technology that is very customer friendly uh, that that you you know if in used in the right case. I, I'll use a I'll go back to Monday, but I'll use a a silly example. Uh, today, most people, especially if you're under, going to sound ages here. 50, um, you know, most people would rather be able to click on a button and schedule an appointment for their eye exam. They don't want to pick up a phone and call and have to, you know, do that. That's, that's an example for me of technology that, that actually creates a better experience for me because that's how I want to interact. Um, so, so if we're thinking about it in those ways, you know, bring on the technology. Um, but when people, uh, people start creating, oh, God, the phone trees drive me crazy. You know, when you call in and 37 buttons later, <laughs> you now have gotten, you know, a recorded message <laughs> that tells you to push one more button. I mean, and, and who is that serving <laughs> is what I want to know. I mean, I, again, I, I realize these companies get 50,000 calls a day. have got to do something. But, you know, that is certainly, uh, to me, an example of technology that gets in the way. Um, now, Back to Monday, um, you know, we use it in in not only internally in every way, but it it also speeds up the process. I mean, our uh, a big part of what we rely on are systems and processes uh, for serving for for creating a repeatable experience for our customers. And so, in many cases, you know, we have certain types of projects that we do all the time. And so, we just we were able to create templates and duplicate those templates in a way that 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 is not just expedient. It's, it's something we've developed over the years that now creates a better experience for our customer. We know what they need now. We know how to give it to them now uh, rapidly. So every time we get a new customer, it's boom. Uh, and we create a, a project for them or a board for them uh, in Monday's terms that we we've now worked on for years. And so they get the best <laughs> of us as opposed to what, you know, uh, an account manager's 30 minutes in a day could create for them. Right. And you could tweak that over time because if I'm a company Always X, do. Yeah. right. But your starting point is a particular template. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of those. And going back to something that you said before about automation, I don't know if you ever heard of ZocDoc. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I remember looking yeah. at it going, I need to see, I'll just make up an example, an eye doctor. I don't really care which one but I'm free Monday morning. Now imagine calling 15 eye doctors 
right? Versus just saying, click, click, boom. I mean, to me, I, I completely agree that to me, it makes all the sense in the world. I'll get you out on this, John. What book are you currently reading? What book am I currently reading? So I do, you know, um, Phil, I do a show like you. Um, and so I read- No one show is like mine. <laughs> well, I do a, a show that hopes one day to be as good as yours. Um, and that, I, consequently, I, you know, I read some portion of 200 books, business books uh, a year. Mm. Uh, so, so when people ask me, what book are you reading now? That makes it hard to drill down in that. But uh, for fun, I read um, books that are not business books, of course. And so I would tell you the book that I would tell everybody to go get. And I think I would recommend get it on audio because the um, uh, the author's um, storytelling ability is so it comes through so much uh, clearer, but it's called The Ampersine Reviewed by John Green. Hmm. Uh, John Green, people might recognize, has written books that have turned into movies. The Fault of Our Stars is, is probably his biggest uh, uh, book that turned into movies. But uh, the Ampersine Reviewed is a series of essays. I think you'd like this, Phil, because he sometimes... Not saying you're cynical, but he sometimes <laughs> takes a cynical approach on some of the things that he reviews. Um, and it's uh, basically what he does is he just it's just a series of essays about things like the hot dog eating contest, uh, you know, that that kind of cultural uh, things. But uh, he uh, he just is a great writer, and I think takes some really uh, fun views on on some things. So it's it's a really good listen. And the essays are like 20 minutes long, you know, so you can go out and you know take a walk and listen to one. John, thanks for taking the time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However... If you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.